My good friend Bruce Nolan joins me on the Western Hotline to talk a little bit about ourselves, some self-deprecating, some good stuff. Let's talk about us, Bruce. Let's 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 do what we do best and just make ourselves sound like handsome men who deserve the world. Right? Is that are you good with that? For some of us that is easier than for others. I will let you decide which one of us that is. <laughs> All right, jerk. Anyways, um, I've got Bruce Nolan here on the <laughs> I got Bruce Nolan here on the Western Hotline. The reason he's on with me today, uh, short of you know, we'll talk a little bills here in a second. Um, is yesterday we announced, uh, you know, well, Bruce announced because he's the hard worker out of the both of us. I'm just the pretty face, and it's only because Bruce won't show his face. So that that's why I'm the pretty face in this scenario. Um, Bruce. Uh, for the most part, you know, you and I have been kind of going back and forth on this for the last week or so, coming up with ideas, trying to figure out the name of this podcast. First and foremost, before we go any further about what this podcast is about, can we just maybe give a golf clap to, to Miss Nolan for coming up with the podcast name? Because you and I are not nearly creative enough to come up with something as good as Food for Thought. No, 100% no. And I, I was driving in the car with Mrs. Nolan, and I, I looked over and I said, sweetheart, I need your creative mind for a brief moment. Can you please help me? And so we were spitballing some stuff, and she said, what about, what about food for thought? You, know, you guys are both foodies. Nate's a big foodie. You're always on food tanks. You know, it's, a, it's kind of a creative thing. It has a very kind of a, a lighthearted sort of a spunky vibe to it. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I, I pitched it to you, and you said, my, my goodness, the more I think about it, the more I like it. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, that's, that's, I, it grows on you the way I grew on her. You know, I was, I was wearing her down, and she eventually decided to marry me, and this is kind of getting your earworm, you know? Yeah, right. I was going to say, like a wart, uh, you really have to either be burned off or just live with it forever. And she's determined that she wasn't in for the pain. So she just kept you around, which is nice, which is nice, Bruce. Nice of her to, uh, to, to, to do some charity work like that, you know? Absolutely. You know, sometimes you got to really find it within yourself to really make a difference in this world. And sometimes that means you have to sacrifice and take one for the team. Thankfully, she She, she did. did, absolutely. All right, buddy, let's talk a little bit about this. So, um, you know, I'm working on our first guest. Uh, you know, I'm the, I, I, I can't drop it until I get a confirmation because I don't want to tease people with it because it, it would be a very monumental first show for us. Um, however, talk a little bit about, um, you know, sort of the premise of the podcast, what we're going to accomplish over the next, uh, you know, few months. And, and obviously this is not a podcast that's just going to end at the bill season. This isn't just a bills podcast. It's not just a food podcast. It's a little bit of everything. So, so tell the folks like your five minute elevator pitch that could probably be put into like more like one minute. So my elevator pitch for this particular podcast is what type of content are you looking for after a long work week? When you come home on a Friday and you kick off your shoes, and you change into your pajama pants, you crack open a beer, you go, thank goodness, the week is over. Well, you want something to get you pumped up for the weekend. You want something that's going to make you chuckle a little bit. You want to have big personalities. You want to make sure that you have some fun. You want to make sure you cover a lot of stuff, but you don't necessarily want to get really heavy with it. You know, there are times when you really want to get heavy with it. That's not really the time. And so that's kind of what the podcast is about. The podcast is about being able to come out and really have a nice meal, right? Have a nice four-course meal. And the structure of the podcast is set up very similar to a, a four-course meal, where the second you're getting sick of one particular thing, you can move on to the next one. And you always have something that is individually valuable to you, even if necessarily the entire thing for you is just okay. There's going to be something for everybody there. And that's really the premise of the podcast is that whole idea of having a four course meal, having an intro, having a five topic sort of rapid fire, having a guest, having some mailbag and Q and a, 
being able to kind of dabble in a bunch of different things. And, you know, people who work in the radio industry like yourself are used to being able to get in and out of breaks, sometimes on time, sometimes not necessarily on time. But, <laughs> but you make sure you bring, you bring on guests and you don't necessarily always have them on for an hour at a time, but you make sure you hit the things you need to hit. And it's really about being able to say, okay, I want a variety. You know, I had a tough week. I kicked off my shoes. I cracked open a beer. Let's be entertained. Let's have a good time. And let's dabble. And that's really what the podcast is about. So, Bruce, um, on top of that, you know, tell everyone, first and foremost, like this is going to be a Friday night uh, join us live sort of thing, but also you can download the podcast on Saturday mornings and catch up afterwards, right? Yeah, so you can find us live on Friday evenings at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern time on the Buffalo Rumblings YouTube channel. So you go to your YouTube, you type in Buffalo Rumblings, you hit subscribe, you turn on the notifications to make sure that you can pick us up live there. And so we can do Q&A, we can have some live discussion, we can have some banter, we can have a good time. And then if you were to miss it for whatever reason, it will show up in the Buffalo Rumblings podcast feed on Saturday morning. By the way, I just want to, this is somewhat breaking news of the last hour. I did not see this happen um, until right now. So I will just quickly mention that uh, former All-Pro edge rusher Justin Houston has reached an agreement on a one-year deal worth up to $4 million with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, And he apparently... Uh, turn down significantly more money from other teams in order to pursue uh, the Ravens. So that's an interesting pickup for the Ravens, a team that is really desperately in need of edge rushers. They get one in Justin Houston at this point in his career. Not sure that's a move that's really moving the needle much. Is that moving the needle for you, Bruce? I will say from an efficiency standpoint, it's fascinating what the Ravens have done. You know, different franchises are team pass rush or team coverage based on what they value and who they pay. And the Ravens have consistently believed that they can manufacture pass rush through scheme. And so when you look at Yannick Ngakwe, who left and got $13-plus plus million in average annual value, and you look at Matt Judon, who left, who was in the $14 million of average annual value, and then the Ravens are just kind of piecing together some much less expensive bodies to be able to fill those roles. I think this is really going to be a testament to how much they believe in their scheme to be able to value getting pass rushers on runways and being able to take advantage of that. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch because really it's, it's an efficiency move for them. I can get more bodies cheaper and trust the scheme as opposed to allowing a singular pass rusher who needs to win one-on-one. It's going to be fascinating. It really is a reflection of the way that the Ravens are built organizationally, and it's really on brand for them. Bruce Nolan here, joining me on the Western Hotline, previewing a little bit of our new podcast, which you can check out next Friday, our first edition of Food for Thought. Again, you can check us out on Buffalo Rumbling's YouTube page, 9 p.m. Eastern, live next Friday. Or if you want to, uh, if you can't be there on Friday night, if you've got prior obligations, you can check out the podcast on Saturday. It'll be available uh, wherever you get your podcast. So, Bruce, I um I want to talk to you a little bit about training camp. Obviously, today the big day. Uh, at Highmark Stadium, uh, twenty plus thousand people in attendance, including our friend Greg Thompson over at Cover One, uh, showing and and posting a lot of video throughout the day. I want to ask you a little bit about overall your thoughts about how, at least early on in training camp, this wide receiver situation is playing out. I am of the mind that Jay Kumro is absolutely turning into a story for me because obviously we know the whole background story about how, frankly, pissed off Aaron Rodgers was that the team decided to cut. Kumaro, who was having the best camp of any receiver not named um, not named Adams right over there. So talk to me a little bit about if if Jake Kumaro is this team's six wide receiver, 
What does he bring in your eyes that maybe an Isaiah Hodgins doesn't or maybe a Marquez Stevenson doesn't? I think for me, the first thing when you look at Jake Kumaro is a lot of times you have to make a call between having someone who can play special teams and someone who gives you valuable athletic traits as a wide receiver. Sometimes those things are mutually exclusive. Jake Kumaro is a player where those things are not mutually exclusive. You can have someone who's six foot four, 210 pounds, and can also play special teams, which means you don't have to make a decision between having your cake and eating it too. And a lot of times, that's what those back end of the roster decisions end up being. They end up being, well, yes, I understand that this person might be able to slot in better as an offensive player, but hey, we need a gunner. Or this person may be able to slot in, slot in better as an offensive player, but hey, we need a jammer. And that's not a call you have to make with Jake Kumaro. And that versatility, the ability to also be trusted on special teams, but also understand that he's got physical tools where you can play him on offense. Obviously, you know, the throw against the Broncos comes to mind that Josh Allen made down the scene to Jake Kumaro, which is absolute monster throw. But in addition to that, the fact that he was willing to pull the trigger on it says something about Jake Kumaro's ability to be able to play in base offensive sets. So the key for me is, he doesn't even have to be stellar at either one of those things. The fact that he can do both of them means there's always going to be an opportunity for someone like that to make the decisions easier on a team that is looking for reasons to try to keep a back half of the roster person where they don't have to make those calls. Bruce Nolan here on the Western Highline. And Bruce, last thing um, that I really kind of wanted to go over with you today for, for at least the training camp aspect of this whole thing. Um, I was talking about this with Sale a little bit this morning, but I kind of wanted to, to dig into the scheme part of this a little bit more with you. About the advantage of having what I believe at this point might be two of the best four slot receivers in football with Emmanuel Sanders now being here in Buffalo and, and, and Cole Beasley for whatever you want to say about Cole um, and, and sort of how the, the tumultuous offseason he's had off the field and on Twitter, he is the best slot receiver in football. Um, I'm not sure that I'm even really willing to debate it with anybody. He just is, and I think that's just the, the nature of the beast right now. Where Emmanuel slots in you know, after that, I think – you know, talking and hearing Cole sort of talk about Emmanuel Sanders and their time together at SMU in college about how both of them played the slot a lot. I'm interested in your thoughts about what an advantage, particularly for the mind that Brian Dable is, what kind of advantage it can be to have two competent, nuanced route runners in the slot, particularly when you stack the two, and how hard it can be to guard and defend two really high-end slot receivers when you're stacking them so closely and trying to figure out and pass off off guys properly like how hard is that from a communication how about this how about the question turned like this Bruce is can you properly defend those two in the slot when you're stacking them without almost picture-perfect communication from the defensive side of the ball no because a brief second of miscommunication or hesitation and the suddenness that you get from players who have low hip elevations and can break out of routes the way that Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley does a second of being off and you're toast and so when you have two players who have that level of suddenness, it does really two things for your offense. It changes your trips game, because like you said, you can stack people, and it changes your two-by-two two game. Because most of the time, when you go two-by-two, two, one of those people is your designated quote-unquote slot receiver, and the other guy is wide receiver four. And wide receiver four might actually be an outside guy who you're just playing in the slot. You're you know, worried about slot fades, but you're not worried about the same type of thing from that player that you would be worried 
about from a traditional slot receiver like Cole Beasley. Well, now that changes. Now if you want to go two-by-two and you have Stephon Diggs and you have Gabriel Davis as your boundary players and you can have Sanders and Cole Beasley in the slot, you have an issue, not just from a communication standpoint, but also from a basic personnel standpoint. If you think about where the league is trending right now, it's trending toward these hybrid slot defenders that can help deal with being put in this weird purgatory situation that offenses are trying to put them in. The offenses are trying to put them in a specific situation where if they go with a nickel corner, they're too light. But if they go with a base linebacker, then they're too slow. And so they're trying to get this situation taken care of where you can get this larger but more athletic hybrid slot defender. We hear about the Buffalo nickel all the time. Well, all that's fantastic until you have two of them. Now all of a sudden you have two of them and you go, goodness gracious, we just spent a significant cycle in organizational football trying to combat this stuff, and now you're going to hit us with both of them? That's a problem. And so it'll be fascinating to see what Brian Abel does with it, but that's a, a situation where I mean, Emmanuel Sanders was 50-50 in the slot and boundary. So it's not like he leans one way or another. I think we all just kind of assume he's going to be a boundary guy taking over John Brown, and that's absolutely true. But what if you're in trips? What if you're in two-by-two? Two? Yep. This changes things. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see it. Yeah, Bruce, and, and, and I think, too, spacing in this offense in particular with the pass catchers is going to be just be super interesting on how you scheme that spacing up, especially when you're talking about you, you, you throw a three-by-one set with Diggs, Manuel, Emmanuel Sanders, and Cole Beasley on one side of the football, and you have one outside corner and a slot guy and a linebacker. I, like, good luck. Yes, exactly good luck. And it, it's one of those things where not a lot of offenses throw that at you. So because not a lot of offenses throw that at you, not a lot of defenses are prepared to stop it. Your offenses are getting to the point now in the NFL where you're starting to see a lot of these things duplicated from the Sean McVay tree. You're seeing a lot of under center. You're seeing a lot of wide zone. You're seeing a lot of the stuff you saw from Cleveland last year, the stuff you saw from the Rams, the stuff you see in Minnesota, you see stuff you see in, in Cincinnati. You see all of these scenarios where you're starting to see a kind of in vogue sort of passing offense, none of those things include double slots. Right. So it's just, a, it's just a unique sort of spin, and I'm fascinated to see what they do with it. All right, Bruce, appreciate you, brother. I'm really looking forward to next Friday uh, and, and having our debut episode of Food for Thought. Thanks for coming on and help preview with me, talk a little bills. Enjoy your weekend, my friend. Thanks a lot, man. Talk to you soon. Awesome. You too. Bruce Nolan there of the Bruce Exclusive Podcast and soon to be the um, – Food for Thought podcast with me, co-host Nick Erie.